From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. First and goal on the Dolphins' one. Zamir White, the setback behind Stidham. Handoff, trying the middle. Zamir White pushing, pushing in. TDLV. An opening drive touchdown for the Raiders. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked. Deshaun Bauer had him around the waist. And the Raiders' defense holds on fourth down. The clock hits zero. And that's another Vegas victory. 15-13. Josh McDaniels and company improved to 3-0. It's time for Cofield and Company. With Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour. Adam Hill is here. He's the company. Ari is running things in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield. Big Monday show. Patriots are in town. Oh, boy. Joint practice. Got a lot of Raiders stuff to get into. It's been a massive weekend of Raiders news with the Dana White, Tom Brady story. Kenyon Drake released today. We all thought, shooing to be on the team. Number two running back, uh, 1A, 1B with Josh Jacobs. He is gone so we'll get into that, and then we're going to bring in uh, former ESPN NFL and ESPN uh, radio morning host Trey Wingo. We'll be up in about 25 minutes. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Crazy weekend in the UFC. The UFC doesn't get on the show a whole lot anymore, and there's one simple reason. I don't always feel like... They have the big fights for the casual fans anymore. So I think they got a great break over the weekend. Kamaru Usman has been unbelievable, but I I believe he's kind of done it in the shadows, unfortunately. He's not a megastar, like a breakout guy outside of the MMA world. But he was going for this, what was it, how many wins in a row? 16. Right? Ty Ederson Silva's record. That's amazing. Yep. That's an amazing run in a weight class that has always been one of the toughest at 170 pounds. And he was cruising, and then what happened? Yeah, he was he was up. He he struggled a little bit in the first round to uh, to adjust, and then completely took over the fight. Dominated the next four. Uh, was basically, I mean, it, he I don't want to say he totally did this, but it'd be the you know the football version if he was he's just taking knees at the end of the at the end of the game. Like, all right, well, got the decision. I'm going to go win this fight, and caught a high kick to the head and got knocked cold as he was kind of cruising to the finish line. So you never know. I mean, you. You know, fights are all the way to the all the way to the end, and sometimes you start to feel it. And it was it was almost a like a you know a moment for uh, our friend John Anik on the broadcast because the other commentators were basically saying, "Well, both guys just know the outcome at this point. They're just kind of looking at the clock." And Leon Edwards can say, "Hey, I survived you know five rounds with Kamaru Usman," and Usman can say, "I got my win streak." And uh, John Anik said. You know, Leon Edwards is not that type of fighter. He's not cut from that cloth that he's just going to wait till the end of the fight and accept that he lost. And literally within seconds, he landed that head kick and knocked out Kamaru Usman. So they'll have a rematch. Usman will be a massive favorite. I expect Usman to completely dominate the, the rematch. But it's going to do Bafo business because they're talking about Wembley. They're discussing it. But I know Dana White doesn't trust the weather in England, and I get that. Mm-hmm. To where if you schedule an outdoor fight and you have to, you have to hope that it's one of the days that doesn't rain there. 
Uh, so they'll figure out what to do with the fight. I'm sure it'll be it'll be massive. Uh, but yeah, this this. But you is the get what I'm thing. saying, right? It's sure. a good it's a good break because you get a, you have a guy who's cruising in the 170 division, and finally someone beats him. Now you have to have a rematch. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll do the rematch. And I know uh, there's been some indications. I know you know you know Jorge Masvidal's group is saying, "Hey, Leon Edwards promised <laughs> that uh, he would fight us as soon as he won the belt. Let's go." Uh, so there's you know other things in the way potentially, but. Um, it does sound like they'll they'll do the rematch. And Usman, I think I saw a minus 350 favorite in the rematch after losing. Uh, knockout before the fight. You know what the odds were? Oh, Edwards knockout to win the fight? I'm not sure, actually. I think it was 7-1. to One, one oh. of our listeners, Ray, uh, actually had responded well before the fight. Uh, I, a bookmaker had tweeted out someone, you know, some mega bet, I don't know, whatever, $40,000 at minus 400 on Usman. And uh, Ray, one of our listeners, kind of stated the case, like, hey, you can't really bet that, so I'm going to screw it. I'm going to go for the knockout by Edwards and delivered 7-1. to one. And I can only imagine what in-game, in-match wagering was at that point. Unreal. It must have been incredible if you could get anything down, you know, even if you get five bucks down on some crazy odds. Somewhere, yeah. somewhere, I'm sure someone had it posted during the match. Number four. So this is a big week. It's going to be really busy down at the Raiders facility. The Patriots are in town sharing the facility. So what, they arrived yesterday, and did they practice today? Yeah. And then Belichick had availability with the national media. Tomorrow, though, you're going to have a bunch of national media come in. We'll get to the whole Brady story because now people are going to want to Talk to anyone on the Raiders, but especially, is it Derek Carr Day tomorrow? Derek Carr Day so tomorrow. So Derek Carr Day tomorrow. So it's it's going to be super crowded. But that means that the Northeast media is in town. And was there some was there some bathroom incident in the in the media room? What's going on? I'm hearing I hear all these whispers. Nothing stays a secret. It was more it was more a respect <laughs> issue, I think. Yeah. But it, as as you know, you've been in the media room uh, at the at the Raiders games and. The Raiders practices, excuse me, and it's a very small area. There is a bathroom, and it's just kind of been agreed upon. You don't use it while there's somebody speaking on the podium. I guess not everybody has gotten that message. Uh, they, they came into the room during a press conference. Wait, is someone up there speaking, and someone walked right across? Yes, they walked right in front of the person speaking, the player speaking, yes. right into the bathroom. Really? Uh, and then opened the door to the bathroom before flushing the toilet, so the audio is containing. <laughs> obviously a loud toilet flush. Really? And then, and then just walked out, grabbed their stuff, and then left. And as wow. you know, like even walking in out of in and out of the room, it's a loud the doors are loud and it, it picks it up on the sound. I know you as somebody who values sound and clear sound oh. uh get very frustrated with that. Um I noticed that yesterday I did the I did the Zoom call from Starbucks and when I listened back to uh to transcribe and like you know when I opened my line to ask the question you just hear like people ordering and I'm like ah, Steve would hate this. Uh, but yeah, I am, I am such a psycho that it irks me when the photographers are there and their cameras click. Yeah. Know, like I thought that was like an old school thing, but click, 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 and I'm like, no, no one can hear it on the audio. It's no. just me being hypersensitive. Yeah, so, sure. so a guy walks in, goes to the bathroom, opens the door before flushing, then turns around and flushes, so that you hear the loud flush. Okay, so this is a member of the Patriots media, right? Uh, it was just somebody who's not usually there normally. Okay, yeah, it's a member yes, of the Patriots sure. media. Do you assume now that he is an open door pisser? Do you know these people? No. You don't know anyone who does that. Uh, not necessarily. No, I do. But- I do, and I was shocked. I'll, I'm not, I'll actually. No one's going to know who he is. Our buddy JB, right? Really? Who's a dealer on the strip? 
Yeah, the, the, we uh, you know we go on a we go on this trip every year to go do some fantasy baseball with Seren Petro, and and Seren does well for himself, so he's got some extra rooms. Sure. JB is an open door pisser. So like in a house, yeah. you're talking. Now he's got this basement. We're getting way too inside. He's got this basement basement with two bathrooms. He's got a. He's got a. He's got one bathroom that has. I'm sorry, a bedroom down there. It's got a full bathroom. He leaves the door open, and I like I'm 30 feet away at a table, and I'm like, what? Who leaves the door open? But I think there's a group of people in this world. That's wild. It's bizarre. (laughs) That's wild. I don't. I don't understand the thought process. I've. I've. I've actually had. girlfriends in the past who were open door bathroom people yeah it's weird like wanted to have conversations while they're on the turlet and i'm like yeah eh, this is not i don't know not yeah. not in no yeah i don't love it, but it's not even it's not even the person that does it like you said hey well, I, don't, I don't care i'm just gonna go in here and whatever but it's it's about the respect for everybody else of so like nobody wants to hear it right even if you're not standing there at the door or whatever nobody wants to hear the sounds that are going like stop Just be respectful and, and especially if somebody is doing a press conference. Can I tell you we have we have a we have a bathroom downstairs that's adjacent to a TV room, and if the SO is watching and I go in there to take a leak, if the sound on the TV isn't on, I'm like I can't go down here because hmm. you can hear the water splashing. I'm like this is gross. Well, as a- I, I I have I'm like so into bathroom decorum that I will, I'll go upstairs to another bathroom. I would I would say I I've experienced people that would just turn the faucet on. Not a bad idea. Drown but, it out. But we're in a water issue right now, so we're in a drought. So let's not waste water. Well, I mean, how long? How long is it going to be? I mean, sometimes <laughs> I don't. You and I don't go often. It's going to be like we, a, like a mean, two and a half minute endeavor. Again, I I think we are. We have the most. In, knock on wood. I'm getting old. We have the most impressive bladders. We're the heaviest weighted show, not rated. Heaviest weighted show in sports talk radio. We also have the best bladders. You and I combined. In this building, and even on the road, going to urinate during the show, I'd have to calculate how many shows we've done. Let's say it's thousands. I bet you it's less than ten times in thousands of shows. <laughs> right? Ari can attest to it. We never leave. We're both. I pou- go, all I do is drink more. I, like, I just both, keep putting water in. We're both pounding coffee like the whole show too. And then a lot of times, a lot of times, I'm in such a hurry to get out of here. I get home, and like as soon as I get in the house. I'm exploding, and I'm like, why don't I just go at work yeah. instead of you know, just destroying my bladder? It's, it's a fair question. So this kind of went from I was bragging about bladders to we're ruining our bladder. You know, what's, you know what I'll relate this to? The stupid story last week, Scott Frost, a Nebraska coach, bragging that his team is vomiting 13 to 15 times in practice. And you're like, wait, I don't think that's a good thing. Is your team that out of shape this late in camp? Are you, are you trying to be like, oh, we're hardcore football? Why are they vomiting? Uh, I don't know because he said it. Was, they're in shape. We're just driving them so hard that even though they're in shape, they're okay. it's crazy. Now I also will say, clearly the bladder issue is mental because now I really feel like I have to go. I know, me too. <laughs> Number three, we gotta get out of here. Uh, Kenyon Drake has been released. I tagged this bizarre move, but apparently because of Amir Abdullah uh, being at a cheaper price and revitalizing his career, I guess he's been one of the. Surprises of camp, so Drake goes bye-bye. You get a cap hit this year and next year. Uh, I thought Vinny put this well as he patted the Raiders on the back. Said best players' fits will earn spots regardless of status or dollars. 
They poured $11 million into Drake last two years. Releasing him now means dead cap hit of 3.6 this year. Um, and a, a, a cap savings of uh, whatever, 250 Um I think the other thing that th- this, th- it's also sort of respectful, just like with Demarcus Robinson. It's respectful to the player to not chop him at the very end. So now he's got a couple of weeks to latch on with someone. And Robinson signed with what, the Ravens? Yeah. And if So if you know that you're not, you know, if you know this guy's not in your plans, you're not going to make the team. Right. Don't drag it out and wait till the last cuts. Uh, you do it a little bit early. But we have a situation now. Kenyon Drake is gone. So what does that mean? For who? In the locker room. When it comes to the Raiders logo. Oh, I forgot. You hadn't thought about this. I forgot. He's not the only one. Okay, so it's still alive. So do you want to explain quickly Raiders logo gate from last week? Well, it's it's not Raiders. We should be clear. It's every team in every sport. Okay, well, but in this case, there are Raiders who are really intense about it and want corporal punishment. Yeah, there's a giant logo on the carpet in the locker room, as in every locker room in the country, and... You know, it's it's known if you're if you've covered teams and been in a locker room, you don't step on that logo. It just you don't do it. And after you know the game last week, the preseason game, first time reporters had ever been in the locker room here in Allegiant Stadium, there was a bunch of violators of that policy. Yes. And Kenyon Drake said to one of them, "25 push-ups right now." Yeah, and the a, per- and the person was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. and laughed it off and walked away. And then Kenyon Drake turned to you and he's like, "His name now." Yes, he wanted the name, and he. He said, hey, if you can't do the push-ups, uh, you can do them on your knees if you have to, uh, but you got to do them, hmm. and then tweeted about it. And he wants he wants the push-ups done. But okay, now so he's it's done. done. That's it. It's done. Well, Andre James is also a, uh, okay. one of the one of the patrolmen. So if you tweeted out nice stuff about Kenyon Drake, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're free of the 25 push-ups. Not necessarily. Number two. My Lord, this offensive line. First of all, Alex Leatherwood in the Miami game, what happened? Well, there was some. There, he had some moments, and then he had some struggles. And I think, you know, some it might there could be confidence issues because I'll I'll say this: his two worst reps of the game came back to back, and so it could have been kind of lingering effect of what happened there, and then you know happened again. But there was two just horrific, horrific reps that he had in the game. So. Um, I know that continues to be concerned. I know there's still a question of who ends up being the starting right tackle, who wins that job. Alex Alex Leatherwood's still in the mix because nobody's really, you know, reached out and grabbed it. It looked like like there's been moments. Brandon Parker looked like he was grabbing it. Then he gets hurt and he struggled in the first preseason game. And um, you know, Alex Leatherwood has had moments where it looked like he might establish himself and take the job. And Jermaine Illuminor has had some decent performances. And you know, Thera Munford last week was the guy. And it, I would have been willing to bet after the first half of the first practice last week, the way that he played in the second preseason game, the job was his. I'd be willing to bet on it. And then wow. just as just as I'm saying it, he's leaving with a trainer. So it's like it, it's just a, a, a revolving door at this point of who's going to win it. And I still think the team would prefer Leatherwood wins the job. Uh, but again, if, if he's healthy right now, I'd probably say there Munford wow. might be in the mix. Number one. Adam's favorite angle this entire camp, and even going back to the summer, when he gets a chance to talk to Derek Carr, he brings up the fact that, hey, Derek, it's been a drama-free summer and camp, right? Unlike was, all these years in the past. Question. And then that all – it is it is a good question. You, you know, you want to get updates on it, right? Nothing has really happened uh, until the weekend when Dana White started to tell this story on the Gronkast. I worked to put that deal together for Brady – and Gronk 
to come to the Raiders. And it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And Whoa. all Whoa. hell broke loose, man. It was crazy. My Lord. Gruden winds up getting fired. Brady goes on to win a Super Bowl. What could have been? What could have been? What did you do, Gruden? What did you do? We'll get more of the Dana White story on the way back. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. I don't think Tom Brady is going to go to a rebuilding franchise and play in a division with Patrick Mahomes twice a year in those weapons. This doesn't make stylistic sense. It doesn't make brand sense. It doesn't make roster sense. This one, I do not buy. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Colin Cowherd back in 2020 reacting to Adam Hill's story about Tom Brady potentially trying to forge a deal with Mark Davis to come to the Raiders. You were wrong. Now, here's the thing. We actually pulled that from today's show because Colin played it, which I love. I love when people do that. Radio hosts do that. Hey, you know what? I'm going to pull the clip where I was wrong. I'll admit I was wrong. So you can hear Colin every day on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 1340 and 98.9 FM. We like Colin. His show is is very good. It's very structured. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. All right. So Dana White tells his story over the weekend on the Gronkast. Yeah, I put this whole thing together. Brady and Gronk are coming to the Raiders. And then Gruden blew it up. And as he said, all hell broke loose. Here's more Dana. Brady was already looking at houses. And it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucs won the Super Bowl. Except Gruden blew the deal up. And there's so much story that goes along with this behind the scenes. And I, I, I was never going to tell that story till. Gronk just said it, but uh, and, yeah. And Dana, oh, let me tell you what exactly Brady was what not happened, and you just told the story. <laughs> so, as you pointed out earlier, and Dana White just did there, Gronk's the one who prompted the story. Hey, tell the story. Dana White tells the story. Everyone starts laughing, and before the break, I was hamming it up a little bit. Where I'm like, Gruden blew it. Let's let's go back to 2020. Jump ahead here to uh, Herd Brewer too. Um, Albert Breer was on Cowherd today and and also kind of, you know, I know you did it in hour one, like brought us back to that time. Brady going anywhere and just like, you know, slam dunk interest is not exactly what was going on back then. I think more than anything else, it sort of signifies how complicated it was. You know, you can look back at it in retrospect and think, why wouldn't anyone have done what the Buccaneers did? But, you know, at that point, like obviously the season hadn't ended great in New England. And there were some teams that looked at his age and said, like, do we really want to blow up what we've been building here for a few years to accommodate everything that would come with getting Tom Brady? And the Bucks, to their credit, were willing to do that. They were. They weren't. Like, again, the, he said almost, it's crazy because we said almost the exact same thing about this. Right. The Bucks didn't have to. Right. The Bucks were building a roster that could compete because they were building around Jameis. Then they decided to give up on Jameis after the 30 turnover season, but they had a good roster. They had a really good defense in place. They were able to add a couple good offensive linemen in the draft. They got, they hit on a couple of really good draft picks. 
They brought in Dominic Kinsu. They brought in Fournette. They brought in a couple pieces. But those guys were there. Like That roster was built and ready to go. They didn't have to blow it up. The Raiders kind of would have had to blow up what they were doing. Uh, and other teams would have as well. That's why they made the decision not to. So he's absolutely right, except the Bucs did not decide to do that. The Bucs were a team that were able to just drop him right in. Free agency, one of the teams, they were interested, and all of a sudden they weren't interested at the very end. I was sitting there thinking, you're sticking with that <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Tom probably had no desire to go to that team, but now it's like, why don't you want me? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sure. When I look back, I'm like, I just don't way it went to that team <laughs> but they said they didn't want me and i know what that means i know what that feels like and i'm gonna f- you up because of that that was a clip from the shop and a lot of us assumed hey that must have been garoppolo on the niners and little shanny and john lynch were like now nah, we'll stick with garoppolo we don't want you but as you okay going back we didn't say that because because of the one key part at the end of that that people keep forgetting where he said this is after the Super Bowl win. So he played the Bucks for a year. He was there. And the, what is the key phrase at the end of that? So I'm going to mess you up, blank you up, because of it. What did he do to the Raiders that season? He lit up Allegiant Stadium. <laughs> One of his best games of the season. Blew out the Raiders. Well, let's address the elephant in the room here. Trey Wingo is going to come in. Is Derek Carr the mother blanker? Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. They're great opportunities for us to compete against somebody else. You know, I'm sure all of our guys are tired of doing one-on-ones against each other. They all know each other very well. This is going to give our team an opportunity to compete against somebody new. We're going to hit a lot of different situations in the next couple of days here. Uh, should be an opportunity for us to really improve our football team, and that's what we're looking forward to doing. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Cofield and Company back on a... Monday, let's get into some NFL. Let's get into the big story here in Vegas and got a lot of attention over the weekend after Dana White tells a story on the Gronkcast during the USC event saying he put together a deal for Tom Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders, but John Gruden said no. And now tomorrow is set up for Derek Carr press conference day with national media coming into town. And who will ask Derek out of the gates? Derek, are you the mother blanker? Because that's what everyone's wondering about now when Tom Brady mentioned and even, someone during the shop that yeah. they chose that guy over him. Are they crazy? And even better, when Carr, a couple months later, said he had been assured by a good source that he was not the mother blanker, Uh-oh. he said if he was that, he would have to fight the guy. Ooh. So I guess that means he's fighting Tom Brady this year. Trey Wingo's in, working with Caesars, formerly ESPN Radio National, of course, a big star on ESPN on the television side. How you doing, Trey? Um, better than Derek Carr? <laughs> That's what he yeah, camp, I'll just tell you, Camp Carr is very sensitive. This one is uh, is real bad for Camp Carr. Well, there's there's a million levels to yeah. get into this, right? Yeah, yeah. First of all, thank you, Dana, for the for the <laughs> unbridled content. Like Dana found out very quickly after he told that story. There's a difference between being Dana White, all knowing Grand Poobah, master of time, space, and dimension of the UFC and then not having that role in the NFL, because that's Roger Goodell's <laughs> domain, right? Uh, if I'm talking about football. So I do feel bad for Derek, because all he's ever done is try his best and play hard, 
And now everyone's going to ask him, are you the MFer? Like, are you the guy? Because before this story came out, a lot of people thought it was either Ryan Fitzpatrick with the tampering of the Miami Dolphins uh, that the NFL said didn't happen. Wink, wink, it did. Or Ryan Tannehill with Tennessee and Mike Vrabel. Uh, and now suddenly it's Derek Carr's turn to take a ride on on the Ferris wheel. Well, isn't the positive spin that Derek can go with? Hey, John Gruden chose me over Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and then the NFL chose to snipe Tom Brady from Washington's emails. So I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how much of a bonus that actually ends up being in the long run. It's wild. A uh, lot of lot of craziness uh, going on around this team for sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Raiders in general this season as they uh, prepare to embark with a new coach and uh, some new stars on the team? Yeah, and a new GM, a whole front office change. You know, it's interesting. I I want to I want to say this up front because I believe it wholeheartedly, and I believed it ever since he's been in the league. Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. Okay, like the narratives around Derek, I think, are so far removed from reality they almost don't make sense but here's the problem if you're ranking quarterbacks in his own division at best he's third and in most situations he's fourth and that's not a knock on him at all in any way shape or form it's just an indication of how deep the quarterback depth is in the AFC West and I think you could make a very compelling argument that the quarterback depth in the AFC West going into 2022 is the best of any division in the history of the NFL. I think it's a good discussion. We've been talking about it all all summer long. Uh, we actually, just to go back to uh, the uh, the mother of this and that and Brady and the, the whole deal with Dana, um, we were having a discussion earlier in the show. Did Gruden actually make the right decision? Did he Did he pick the right guy? Well, if he did that, right? Yeah. I mean, we don't know that. Yep. I mean, this, these are all. This is. I mean, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Dana White or any way, shape, or form. But this is all sort of. And I said, and they said, and he said, and she said. So um, that has to be the lens with which we look through this. But by the way, I thought it was very interesting when Mark Davis was asked about all of this. Yep. <laughs> in light of in light of what happened to the Dolphins and how hard they were slapped by the NFL. His defense was, you know, the Watergate response. I can't recall. I can't. <laughs> Long I, time know, ago. I don't. I don't. I don't know what that was. I. That I, was awesome. Maybe yeah. it could have been. I'm not sure. I don't know. I can't say. Which technically is the smart thing for him to do. Let's be honest. Yeah. Smart, smart attack for him to take. But uh, I have no idea if any of it makes any sense. Yeah, we're operating with. Um... Maybe some more inside knowledge because yeah. this is a story that Adam Hill, my partner, covered and got a rash of crap over because uh, you want to explain to Trey the photo and then you know details of Mark Davis talking with Brady. God, yeah, I mean it all started uh, at a UFC event uh, January nineteenth, twenty twenty, and uh, I yep. reported when this happened, and a lot of people talked about the conversation that had was had cage side. I can tell you with one hundred percent certainty it was not the only conversation that night, and uh, we have actual proof of that not being the only conversation that night between uh, Mark Davis and Tom Brady. Uh, so it, this is a thing. And by the way, I know that you said, Hey, it's Dana white talking and I've covered Dana long enough to know you can't always just go with what Dana says. This is not correct. I think it's important to note. This is not Dana white spewing this right. story. Rob Gronk. I, I keep saying Rob Gronkowski reported Tom Brady agreed yeah. to a deal with the Raiders. Rob Gronkowski, yeah. did, not, not Dana white by himself. 
Well, well, to be clear, if I'm if I'm correct, I want to make sure and correct. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Rob said to Dana, "Tell the story," and right? then at the end said, "You told the story, and that's exactly what happened." Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Listen, all, all this makes all the sense in the world. The question is, how much sense can we sort of? Sure. Uh, uh, frame it in a world that doesn't get anybody in trouble, right? right? That's where we all are right now, right? That that's that's the whole scenario with us right now. It's like, okay, how do we do this without openly lying? That sort of allows us to let a smidgen of truth out without getting us in <laughs> any trouble. I mean, that's that, those are the whole parameters about this entire discussion. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I'm 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 thinking. Well, one. Would Brady have had the success with the Raiders that he had with the Buccaneers? Probably not. And if I agree. We, we don't know what would have happened with Brady there, All, a lot of circumstances change. But based on the fact that the Raiders fell apart because, one, Gruden got outed for the emails and you had the horrific thing with Ruggs, Damon Arnett turned out to be a jackass. I mean, in let's, let's address this. Like, Brady might have been driven into retirement by now by the Raiders. Yeah, listen, and this always comes out – when I always say this, people are like, oh, you're hating on Tom Brady. I'm not hating on Tom Brady, but circumstances matter. Like, situations matter. Yep. Other positions around him matter. There's a reason why the last couple of years in New England he wasn't successful outside of the two games he had with Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown in 2019 where they scored a bajillion points. And then guess what? Those two players left, and oh, my God, suddenly he wasn't any good before. You know, <laughs> which, is, which is why I'm a big believer in the idea that wins and losses are in no way in any way, shape, or form a quarterback stat. Um, so what you're saying is accurate, right? Had Tom Brady, as we know him, gone to the Raiders in that time in that situation, he wouldn't have had Mike Evans. He wouldn't have had Godwin. He wouldn't have had eventually Antonio Brown. He wouldn't have had Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement. And if you don't think those players are part of the success of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, then quite frankly, you don't understand the game of football and how interrelated it is. Like, what you're saying is accurate. Tom Brady, just as an entity, going to Vegas with the weapons he had around him in Vegas had that happen in 2020, the success that he had might not have been anywhere near what he had in Tampa Bay. And even in Tampa Bay, it was a struggle. Remember, that year they started the year seven and five. And he had the infamous four down situation in that Monday night game in Chicago, or was it a Sunday night game? I can't remember when he lost count of what the downs were. <laughs> and then they got it straight straightened out. And, you know, the Chiefs offensive line got beat up in the Super Bowl or prior to the Super Bowl, and they went on to win. So none of these things happen in a vacuum. You don't just place Tom Brady into the Raiders of 2020 and say, oh, it would have worked out the same way because Brady is Brady. That's fool's gold. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I have some bad news for you. Uh, with you, you know, we know you do the great work over at Caesars and uh, all the, all the stuff that is going on there. I have an NFC Championship bet on the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm watching them right now. Wait. They're clearly going to catch that ticket. Wait, what? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Wait, what's happening? Are re- they? Yeah, re- well, remember. Are they? Are they? Remember when Kyle, this is the the worst bet ever? But remember, uh, Kyle right. Pitts sent out like this really weird tweet. And it like everybody just ran with, hey, he's definitely they're definitely signing Deshaun Watson in Atlanta. And I was like, 151, 150 to one to an NFC championship. I gotta bet this. Mm. It's it's gonna be a loser. But the Falcons look yeah. good right now. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm glad that you're happy. I guess would be the thing I would say. Like I would all I've I've tried to say this, uh, and it's gotten really different or even more amplified over the last couple of years. You know, when you had four preseason games and the starters actually played, 
uh, in some of those preseason games. I think the weight mattered a little bit more. But now you have three, and really the joint practices and the scrimmages that you have with other teams, to me, are more important to uh, what you're seeing from your team's success heading into the regular season than a preseason game. Um, for example, the Ravens have won, what, 21 or 22 straight preseason games, and they didn't make the playoffs last year. And certainly a lot of that was due to injury, but that's a part of it. Like, this is fool's gold. You can't, you can't sort of extrapolate team success from the, from the preseason into the regular season. The Lions infamously in 2008 won all four preseason games and then proceeded to win, carry the one at the five, but zero of the 16 regular season games. Okay, So it's not an indicator of team success. It's an indicator of individual success. If someone has a really good preseason, especially a rookie, you might see them doing well in the regular season. But team results in the summer in no way, shape, or form uh, translate into the regular season. Aaron Rodgers last played a preseason game in 2018, I believe, and he's the back-to-back MVP of the NFL. Craig Wingo's with us. What's going on at Caesars? What's going on with Caesars Rewards leading up to the season? Yeah, we're really excited. You know, we did the Trace Trends thing launching last year, and we're going to continue that this year. Uh, we're also uh, we're taking our act on the road this year, beginning in October. We've got a bus with a mobile studio. We're going to uh, a bunch of uh, NFL games in the regular season, and we're going to have a sort of a pregame uh, pre uh, pregame show as as well as a uh, uh, sort of a tailgate party for the fans that are there. We're really excited about that. Uh, we're going to be definitely involved uh, in, obviously, all the college football playoffs. And uh, in when the Super Bowl gets to Arizona, let's just say we're going to take over a very specific piece of land that yeah. a lot of people would like where you might be able to swing a club for 18 holes and make ah. it the perfect hangout for everybody going to Super Bowl week. So big stuff coming from that. We're really excited about it. I want you to grade a play for me. I think we're going to find out the next two days who's actually calling the plays for the Patriots. The Pats are in town, joint practice a couple of days with the Raiders. I am bullish on the Patriots now because I believe Bill Belichick is going to be the O coordinator. Well, I think he is. And look, Bill Belichick is the de facto everything right. in New England, right? Like uh, whether it's the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, linebacker's coach, where his son is, like, Whatever the Patriots do, it all goes through Belichick. But it's interesting, right? What you just said is interesting. Uh, they're going to have joint practices together. That is normally something that Bill does only with teams in the other conference. If you look at where he's gone over the years, it's usually been joint practices and a scrimmage against somebody from the different conference. I think it's a really interesting situation that he's doing it with someone in his own conference this year. And I, just keep an eye on that. Do you think this is going to work? If he is the O coordinator, or if it's Joe Judge or Patricia, or could it be a disaster? Well, you know, uh, if we're judging by their head coaching experiences, <laughs> it's a disaster. <laughs> whether it's Joe Judge or Matt Patricia, like if you're if you're really being honest about the Bill Belichick coaching tree, the 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 real star of the Bill Belichick coaching tree was never a coach under Bill Belichick. It's Mike Vrabel who was a player under Bill Belichick. Yeah. Bill O'Brien has had some success, some limited success, uh, but obviously, you know, up 24 to nothing on Kansas City, oops, that didn't really work out. Uh, so all these coaches that have worked under Bill have been okay at best, and most of them have been less than okay. Uh, but Mike Vrabel 
Uh, and Brian Flores to some degree. Like Brian Flores, what he was able to do in Miami when wink, wink, Stephen Ross, the owner, wasn't telling him to tank, hashtag sure, Jan, um, <laughs> did really, really well. Did really, really well. Like to me, the, the two uh, shining examples of the Bill Belichick coaching tree are Brian Flores and then Mike Brable, a guy who played for Bill but never coached under Bill. I'll give you a couple of prop bets that you guys have posted. I just want your take on it. These are really interesting. You're doing regular season wins for NFL teams versus college teams. Patriots against Notre Dame, who has more wins in the season? I think at this point I'd have to take Notre Dame. Really? Well, what we've talked about with Mac Jones is is the issue whether or not Joe and Matt Patricia are going to be the ones guiding him or is it going to be Bill Belichick. Uh, And... That's going to dictate the, the excuse me the success of the New England Patriots. I think Notre Dame's in a pretty good position right now. I might want to take Notre Dame in that situation. Okay, another one this is a fascinating story to follow. Is Trubisky going to start? You know, three, four, five games, see how it goes, and then Pickett takes over. Is Pickett going to get the assignment from the get go? You can bet the Steelers against Pitt wins. Pitt right now is favored minus one thirty. I think they're wrong on that one. I, I agree. Uh, listen, I think Trubisky is going to be the starter for the majority of the season, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think they're going to have some success. Like, they have a lot of issues, right? Uh, Their offensive line has been problematic, and their biggest issue is a quarterback. But I will tell you that all the people that I talked to in Buffalo last year when Mitch was backing up Josh Allen raved about Mitchell Trubisky. Look, he needed to get out of Chicago. He needed to get – some things are not a player's fault. Like, obviously, the – the Bears should have taken Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson pre-massage therapy, Deshaun Watson, mm. before Mitchell Trubisky. That wasn't his fault, okay? That, that was the situation he was put in. And maybe he didn't respond to it as well as he could be, as well as he could have. But I think Mitchell, in a new situation, uh, under Mike Tomlin, a much better head coach than he ever had at Matt Nagy in Chicago. Uh, I think he's going to thrive, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Trey, you're awesome. We appreciate you uh, hopping in. I'm glad to hear Caesars is really beefing things up, and you guys are going to be on the road. I think that's a really cool element. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And obviously, uh, I'll, I'll say this real quickly. The, the two best stadiums in the NFL, in any order you want to make them, are SoFi Stadium in L.A. and Elite, Alliance, uh, Allegiant Stadium in, in, in uh, Las Vegas. If, think of it as the world's best Maui gyms. Like, you can't see <laughs> in, but you can see out perfectly. There you go. Thanks, Trey. Have a good night. You got it, guys. Take care. Trey Wingo, former ESPN radio star, ESPN uh, NFL expert for a long time, the anchor on their NFL shows. Notre Dame, I think, is going to lose at least four times this year. So can the Pats win nine? I was fibbing a little bit for delivery on the question. I don't know that I love Bill Belichick as the O coordinator, and I do believe he is actually going to run a lot of the offense. What does that take from the defense, which he's always kind of backstopped? But it, it is a it's kind of a big assumption though. I because I, I don't think he's going to. Um, I'm I'm basically stealing that point from one Albert Breer, and we'll we'll bring that sound tomorrow. Breer, when he was on Fox Sports Las Vegas nationally with Colin Cowherd, said that last week during the joint practice. When they got, I think it was in two minute situations. Belichick took over. I mean, that, that he was the, he was the one dealing with Mac Jones the most, not quarterback coach Joe Judge. Which, yes, I'm serious. He's the quarterback no, coach. No. 
Wow. Is is Mac Jones going to play special teams? Joe Judge is a special teams coach. Mm, I got that. Yeah. Pittsburgh against Pittsburgh. I'm starting to think the Steelers can push to win because of the Browns being down now. Can push to win nine games. And I don't think the Pitt Panthers are going to win nine games. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I think the Steelers going nine and eight or even 10 and seven is a real possibility. I mean, he wins. He's had a winning record every year. Well, never had a losing record, I should say. Right. Uh, so you would have to think nine wins is about where they should go. And I, I, the defense is going to be good. They have some weapons on offense. The offensive line is still a question mark, but I think Mr. Trubisky's fine. And I, I agree. I think Trubisky will be fine. And I think if he's not or he gets hurt, then Pickett can go cool. in there. If you if you told me Pickett starts half the games this year, I will pound the under. Really? What yes. do you see? You know, do it on the way back. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I was just talking about potentially even being bullish on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you said if Kenny Pickett plays a lot, pound the under, you don't like Pickett? No. I just don't, I mean, I don't think his arm is strong enough. Uh, I think that there's going to be some trouble adjusting. I know people are getting excited about the preseason. He's playing vanilla defenses right. who aren't game planning against him. And um, he's he's made some plays. It's fine. I, and I, I think. And, and by the way, Trubisky, from what we hear, what we read, has been much better in practice. Yeah, has the respect of the veterans. Pickett, at, this there was a whole path. This uh, there's a whole path to go down with. Is Pickett one of these guys who shines on game day, but just never or doesn't show the same in practice? Maybe because there were some reports in practices that he was just horrific, and there was worry. Is this, like is this, like oh man, he's bad. Like oh man, and like I said, I I I'm always of the opinion you're never going to know if somebody's good from the preseason, but you you can know if they're bad. And, you know, again, in the games, he's look fine. And I think there's reason to be excited about the future. But, like, slow down with the, he should be starting right now. Like, I, I think that the coaches see a little more than you do. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Are you surprised that the Vikings traded for a new backup? Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, they saw, they got to see Mullins last week, and he looked pretty good. Mullins for a conditional seventh from the Raiders to the Vikings. So I wonder what that means for Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion. Yeah, probably not great. And it was funny. Kellen Mond came in his first drive, maybe first two drives against the Raiders was abysmal. And then he started to turn around and I had tweeted, man, he is not looking good. And then he had like three or four really good drives. So I said, okay, well, my, I guess I put the jinx on him. He started playing well, but clearly they haven't seen what they wanted out of him as a backup. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Boy, oh boy. Tomorrow, again, the primer for Raiders. Media availability. You, know, you got the Pats and the Raiders meeting up in a joint practice, and it's Derek Carr Day, availability day. So you're going to have a bunch of national people come in and want to know, hey, I think Tom Brady was dogging on you a couple years ago. Derek, what do you think? Oh, boy. Got to think this one through. Got to think this one through. <laughs> it's going to be real interesting answers and questions.